0: Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now, let's accelerate your sales with today's episode.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Higgins, and welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, episode number 428. Today, you're going to absolutely be in for a blast. You're going to learn three key things. One is how to, how the vendor partner ecosystem is changing and how to rate yourself where you sit at the moment in a beautiful four box matrix. Uh, you'll love it. You can do it live. The second is three problems, partners face channel partners face, but more importantly, how to fix them. And, uh, Our guest today gives absolute gold in that. If you're a first-time listener, please subscribe. If you're a regular, love those reviews. You can get all the links in the show notes. Go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. And before we go into the interview with Des, I'd like to thank our sponsors. So one is the Cloud Consultants Collective. So it's a free group on Slack where peers are just helping other peers solve business challenges. And you can uh, find out more at cloudconsultantscollective.com. The other one is SendSpark. So, yes, it's great to send text messages, but isn't your face, you're the face of your business, isn't that better to be put in front of people? And it's a fantastic platform. And you can get six months free. That's right, six months free by going to Paul Higgins Mentoring. Dot com forward slash send spark. So today's guest uh, owned his own Microsoft partner business, which uh, was wildly successful, and then he moved over to the other side, which is uh, Microsoft, and he spent seven years as a channel partner in Microsoft, and he realised that it was really hard to get reliable partners to help him get his KPIs, but also help themselves. And the problem was he didn't have confidence in the partnerships he was spending all that time in, and they weren't getting the results that he wanted. And he realized that they weren't really weren't uh, investable, right? They, IA, weren't willing, or well, it wasn't worth putting his time, one-on-one time in to solve it. But there's as you'll find, as a solutions guy, right? So he wanted to find that. So he need, he knew he It needed a different approach more than just giving up an extra time and effort for his partnerships. So he went and created a better way. So it all came together with his idea of being an investable partner, a business that a partnership, i.e. a vendor would prioritize to invest in them. So he has created that. His name is Des Russell, and he's created partnerevaluate.com. And I'm going to pass you over to him now. Wonderful to have you here, Des.
2: Great, uh, Paul. Lovely to be here on uh, the Accelerate Sales podcast.
1: Yeah, well, look, I know you live in the sunnier part of Australia, which is is Brisbane, and some people might be able to detect a little accent, which... South African, but uh, yeah, it's great to have a fellow Aussie on doing a similar thing, right? We we do similar things to different clients. And why don't we kick off with that? Like, who is your
2: ideal client and what problems do you love solving for them? Hey, Paul, thanks very much. Yes, uh, slight, slight accent, more Australian than South African, but no, and <laughs> um, I'll never get rid of that one. Um, look, um, Partner Elevate, we really exist to help um, ecosystem builders uh, create more reliable partnerships in their channel so they can execute um, and continue to grow their particular channel. So our ideal client is really we have two uh, two kind of um, ways in which we we help that because there's the channel reseller view and then there's the vendor view. So you've got channel resellers who are trying to uh, command the time, energy, and attention of their um of their uh, vendors that they work with. And these might be global vendors and smaller vendors. And then you've got vendors who are trying to um, reach and enable a lot more of their channel ecosystem to contribute more revenue um, uh, for them over over longer periods. So for us, um, a vendor would be any one of the vendors in the world that are building and growing channels, um, building and growing and scaling channels. Um, For channel resellers that are part of this vendor ecosystem, you know, we are really focused on um, those businesses that are in their five to um, 10-year sort of uh, tenure um, of owning their business. They're probably around the sort of 15 to 25 and above um, type organization. And these are organizations that are really, doesn't matter if they could be MSPs, they could be ISVs. We're working a lot with ISVs at the moment, obviously. Um, Or they could be, Typical system inter- integrators. So um, that would be kind of the good view of what our ideal client looks like.
1: Yeah, Brian. Well, look, I know that for most of you listening to Des and I today, you're probably on the channel reseller side, not the the vendor. But why don't we just quickly cover off the the vendor piece now? I know you've just recently come back from Miami on a a conference where uh, you got together and spoke about the you know the the vendor or the partner network and the ecosystem, tell us what were some of the key learnings that you took from that and, and what you see are some of the changes that are going to come from a vendor side.
2: Yeah, look, um, uh, the uh, the conference that I attended was run by an uh, organisation called Partnership Leaders. Um, and um, I think um, I'll borrow a good uh, friend of mine uh, and a colleague in the industry, Jay McBain's quotes, um, and that is that we're in a decade of the ecosystem and I think the reality is what's happening with the shift globally is that um, there's um, a, a lot of vendors um, that are um, that are growing their channels, that are looking for more productive channels. Yes. And the reality is that uh, the traditional channel channel reseller model is dead and dying really, really quickly. Um, and it's really changing to um, a, a real really a more partner assist kind of view. And and with that uh, requires uh, a rethink of how we think about partnerships and ecosystem. And um, partnership leaders are really um, the, uh, the leaders in the space, I would say, in terms of bringing the community together to talk about what does ecosystem and partnerships mean? How do you build sustainable and growth-focused ecosystem and partnerships? And let's face it, we've got the behemoths, we've got the large vendors that have been around for Um, 35 to 40-odd years, but we've got uh, hundreds of thousands of other um, smaller organizations, particularly in the SaaS world, that don't have the experience of building channel or building partnership or building ecosystem. So they really need a place to be able to um, go to to get that experience, get that knowledge, get that uh, intuition that a lot of us have built up over time. And partnership leaders is the place that is absolutely leading this uh, leading now. So I learned a few things. Um, I had over 22 different meetings with different tech vendors uh, over there. And I think fundamentally, uh, they're all trying to deal with three key problems um, in the ecosystem. They're trying to deal with um, a lack of confidence that they are experiencing in partnerships. They're really spending a lot of time trying to identify which partnerships they should prioritize in. Um, and with the ecosystem growing exponentially, they're running out of time to identify who they, should, um, who they should actually partner with. The second problem that they're dealing with is flat engagement. They're really, um, they're really looking for a lot quicker time to value with uh, their partnerships. And they're really actually looking for more committed partnerships. Um, they really need partners to lift, stand up, um, step up, and actually not be the ones that are saying, hey, can you just give me some leads so I can move my business forward? Yes, we know you need leads to move your business forward, but running a successful and growing a su- successful business is a lot more than a, a getting a handout hand of leads. And then the, the third problem that vendors are really trying to deal with is this unpredictable performance, yes. is that the partner performance and the relationship is, is kind of up and down, but it, it's actually more down than it is up. And really, what they're trying to do with or deal with is this view that they need more revenue for more partners for longer periods. So those might be some little um, insights for the audience to kind of go, well, how am I going to help a a vendor that I'm working with deal with those three problems or influence those three problems?
1: Yeah, great. And and I know that you know channel partners is a word that. Can be a you know can mean different things to different people, right? But just to be clear and, and and make sure that I've got it right, when you're talking about channel partners, you're actually talking about you know someone that consults uh, and sells a tech a SaaS technology, right? So it's the actual those partners versus say uh, it might be you know zero combining with another SaaS company uh, zero Correct. and yeah yeah okay because yeah. yeah, I know that those... a lot of, yeah. yeah.
2: There is a lot of different nuances around there, but think about channel, channel partner being the the uh used to be the closest one to the client, but they're not now the closest one to the client. But basically um those are the uh, technology um uh entrepreneurs out there that have built um businesses or building businesses where they're taking their skills and capabilities, combining that with. SaaS products or a SaaS vendor product platform and delivering delivering solutions or outcomes for their particular customers.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And so, you know, you're all sitting here and thinking that's great, Des. There's there's an appetite out there, right? So if I'm, you know, you're listening to Des and you're thinking, well, you know, how can I get the best out of my partner? How do I even understand what my partner wants, right? My, My SaaS vendor wants, you know, what's the best way to go about doing that?
2: Look, um, I think the first thing is you need to understand how SaaS vendors or vendors as a whole view you as a partner, or the view that they have, and it's really, it's really you. When you understand this, and I'll, I'll walk you through a really quick exercise that people can do visually. But um, it really might ask the question what does my engagement look like with my vendor today because I might probably I'm, I'm probably going to fall in uh, one of these quadrants so if you kind of take a two by two model four quadrants and you kind of go how does a vendor actually view me as a channel partner um they they kind of view it um, uh, how if you kind of take the vertical axis, how reliable versus unreliable you are and there's an element of how trustworthy you are to them. Okay. Yes. On the horizontal uh, axis, it's really about how much of a generalist versus a specialist you are. Yes. So if you have to think about how that plays out, um, and they've got to deal with thousands and thousands of the, uh, relationships and discussions is your engagement with your vendor might fall into one of these four buckets. You could be a uh, in the red zone, bottom left, you could be an unreliable partner. And when I say reliability, it's really, um, it's your ability to engage in the partnership as much as it is your ability to consistently produce the results that the partnership requires. Yes. So if you're in this bottom left-hand corner, I'm unreliable and I'm a generalist, not a happy place to be in, right? And um, typically, your engagement with your vendor would might be a Hail Mary pass. They will talk to you once in a lifetime or at some point and they'll go, yeah, I've got something for you. Either there's a program you can jump into, we've got a lead that we can pass through to you, or actually we can give you some, give you some funding to go do something. It's not a happy place to be in. But then you might be um, a specialist um, who's a little bit more reliable, but still not really reliable, but you specialize in a particular area and you're in the amber zone on the bottom right. Um, a, a better place to be in, but you're not in the same place, you know, what your engagement might look like might be an SOS, an SOS call. Hey, guys, we've got an opportunity at this client. We know you specialize in this. Can you come in and help us? Um, and uh, we'll, get into, um, we'll get into the opportunity side a little later on, I'm sure. Um, but not a real happy place to be in because you're this specialist skill set, but, you know, they're throwing you tacos every now and then. So if you are kind of move to the top left hand and you increase your trust, you increase your reliability, you might be a really reliable, highly trustworthy partner, but you're more generalist. And when you think about being a trustworthy generalist, really you're not in line or you don't have currency with where the vendor is wanting you to go. And generalist is really your specialization, right? So you're either... Commoditized you're selling everything that the vendor has to offer as baseline you're not adding any specialization so you're seen as everyone else but you're quite reliable because you can probably um, close deals really well um, and you can bring in the right the right revenue now they'll promote you but you'll never be a raving fan yes a raving fan is someone who's highly reliable highly trustworthy and specialized now that's the place to be in and that's really that's really where 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 you want to be so pull the audience quickly got that down put yourself in there and you might have a little bit of uncomfortable feeling if you're in the bottom um, but there's a way to get from uh, the bottom to the top increase your trustworthiness increase your reliability and your specialization as well
1: yeah and, and i hear from you know a lot of the community in the cloud consultants collective saying that you know i'm just too small to to for the, my vendor to even care about me, right? I'm a Salesforce partner. I've got the certificates. That's great. But really, you know, I don't get any love from my vendor. Hmm. What, what do you say to to people that, um, you know, that, well, I hear it all the time, right? What, what would you say to someone that says that?
2: Look, um, first of all, uh, I think we've all, as a um, in, in, in your community, um, there's absolutely um, a plethora of different types of partners. Um, skill level, capability level, et cetera. Um, I don't necessarily think we need to be wed to a vendor to help um, our business move forward. I think we've actually got to take ownership of moving the business forward. And this is really, uh, so I would say, how could you, or could you exist without that vendor throwing you leads? Yes. Could you exist without that vendor throwing you um, spiffs? Could you exist without the vendor throwing you incentives? Yes. It would be harder because there's probably some opportunity there which is going to cost you. But the reality is you really need to be in control um, of, your own, of your own destination, really. And I always talk about this from a um, how do you align your business to where you need to be going? And you can align to the vendor, but don't become a vendor victim. Yes. Don't become the vendor victim of doing everything that the vendor requires you to do and you shifting space and shifting uh, focus. You really need to be able to set your course and move forward. So undoubtedly, in every single ecosystem, you have got your top producing partners, you've got your tail, um, and you've got people uh, that are in between. But what are we trying to do? We're trying to move from, um, if you kind of think about a performance curve, yes. um, a bell curve, and you think, I want to move from uh, being a vendor victim to being a go to solution partner. Yes. The reality is, um, what do I need to do? What do I need to do from uh, left to move, uh, move to the right? I can always align my success to the vendor success. I mean, this is a great example of what Microsoft have just done in their partner program and SAP announced this week. And I blogged about that um, on LinkedIn. But Microsoft have sort of drawn the line in the sand and said, the reality is, as a business, you should be doing three things. You should be acquiring net new customers. You should be having the right skills and capability that allows you to be uh, uh, moving in specialization. And the third thing is you need to be Mindly focused on customer success, which is you've won the customer, now you've got to grow and scale that particular customer. Now, you don't need to be a big business. You don't need to be an enterprise partner. You don't need to be a mid partner. You just, that's just, let's take out the competency piece of the program and go, that's good business practice. Yeah. Yeah, So I would absolutely, you know, focus on those things, have a plan around those. And then you align your success to the vendor's success.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and if you think of, you know, people often say in recruiting, you know, you know, what you need to align to is the, the passion that you have, the experience and the skills that you have, and a need in the market. And always look at this the exact same way. You know, what are you passionate about? What ex- experience or what specialization you have? Because yeah. I agree with that. And then the other thing is, where's your vendor heading, right? So, for example, so when we were uh, a partner with uh, Copper CRM uh, before we sold our business, you know, they were very good with uh, Gmail. So it was basically Google Suite or, you know, whatever they call it now. Back then yeah, it was yeah. Google Suite, know, Workspace there. or whatever it's called now. Um, you know, So we tightly aligned to that. And agencies were our natural fit, and that's where they got most of the clients. So I basically interviewed all their senior managers coming from a corporate background. I sort of knew the, the questions to ask, and I saw that's where they were headed. We actually really liked that area of the business. I'd come from Coca-Cola. I'd spent a lot of time with agencies. And then also, our expertise were very good from another platform that we used to do. So you know, that Venn, Venn diagram really fit where it is. So I think, you know, look at that. And the other thing to your point is that with copper, we were getting 80 leads a month, right? And life was great. They weren't all perfect, but they were good leads. Uh, I was just going on a dialysis machine. So, you know, I was finding it a bit hard to, to, to work, but I was making it work. And then new guy came on the board, uh, private equity came on and said, we're going to stop all SEO overnight. Uh, sorry, we're going to stop all paid traffic overnight. We're going to move to content and SEO, but they just switched it off. So 80 leads to zero.
0: Uh, and that was the zero.
1: best. At the time it felt like the worst thing. I'm sitting on dialysis just saying, Oh my God, like I thought my world was tough enough. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got this challenge. But it actually came to kind be of the had best it turned thing. off, right? correct because it forced us to build our own pipeline. so yeah. that's what I want to go to now is what do you see is the best way to build your own pipeline where the vendor might be 10 percent of, of the yeah. leads but the 90s got to be generated from you what are some of the best ideas and strategies you see yeah. for that
2: look I think uh, I think there's kind of three key three key problems like when you're trying to generate and I think there's things you need to do before you generate leads. And I think that this is missed a lot by um, uh, a lot of business owners when we start to think about, well, okay, I need to take control of my lead generation. Mine, um, uh, I need to own that. I need to generate my own leads. And the reality is we try, the first thing we do is we go to an agency yeah. and we, we go and make it someone else's problem. Yeah. And the challenge with that is, well, I'm going to pay you per lead or you're going to give me leads. But the reality is, um, whether you do that or you bring in a marketing team and you go, well, um, our vision this year is we're going to have our own marketing team established. We're going to bring a person in a marketing seat and we're going to do this ourselves. The reality is, if you haven't dealt with three problems, um, those additional investments that are meant to accelerate will never be realized um and what i've come to understand is that every channel vet, channel partner really struggles with three these three things when it comes to being able to generate leads the first thing is um you've got to be able to deal with this vague offering yes. you know a lot of us have taken an offering that is kind of worked we've worked out along the way we've got an offering to market yes we've got a specialization yes we work with a specific set of clients but the reality is Um, When you start to generate your own new business, you're not dealing with a known audience. Yes. So the offer uh, for that particular audience that you were, that were known, it kind of, it's not going to, not going to get their attention. And the worst thing you can do um, is grab uh, your vendor partner marketing portal Slap your logo on there and go, I've got to go to market for a particular thing. It's the worst thing you can do. So if you can't deal with this vague offering problem where people just aren't going and raising their hand and going, yeah, I want to know more, um, uh, you are never going to be able to deal with your uh, poor lead flow problem. And when you look at poor lead flow, whether you use an agency or not today, and there's two problems that I see. One is volume and quality. Yes. So even if vendors are chucking you leads, think about the quality. And um, even if you are generating your own leads and spending time around that, the volume is just not consistent. Yes. So this pre-lead generation problem really then makes us uh, fall into this third problem that we try to deal with, which is cold leads. Yes. Now, everyone who's watching um, and listening um, will probably agree that one of the worst times, uh, the, one of the worst... I call it the the suck time. The suck time is really what sucks my time is trying to deal with leads coming in, qualifying leads, and moving leads through. And when we've got this pressure of a low-quality and low-volume leads, we treat every lead as an opportunity. And we go into qualification mode straight up front. We go into selling mode straight up front. And it's time consuming. And before we know it, we're in the middle of the month and we go, I need some deals to close. So I'm going to leave those leads and go to any, anyone else that was in the pipeline. So until we've dealt with this vague offering, this, this poor lead gen and this cold lead problem, we're not going to have a multiply effect of being able to take ownership of our lead generation and kind of move, move that forward. So um, uh, first of all, vague offering, get just a, you need a competitive offer. To have a competitive offer, you need three things. You need to lead with insights. You need to lead with value. Stop selling on price. um, And you need an offer that takes action. So when you look at your current two-page offer that you've got for a customer in terms of what it is you do, if your skills, capability, and how how long you've been in business are at the top, Take that, move that all the way down to the bottom because that's the last thing. What we've got to be able to do is we've got to be able to apply, or we've got to be able to get in the head of their pain and their problem. Okay, so you need a way. You need a way to do that. Yeah, um, and,
1: and Des, just to insight, can you give us an example of what an insight would be?
2: Okay, insight would be: um, uh, um, Have you understood the requirements and challenges of your? industry that your client is in. So um, do you know the requirements and challenges other than talking to the IT person or the finance person? Uh, a bird's eye view. Yeah. So it would be um, uh, politically, I'm in the agricultural sector. That's my industry. An insight would be leading with an insight with a customer that politically there are incentives for tech in. Uh, organizations or agricultural organizations who use technology to drive down a uh, cost of um, or use of chemicals. Yes. Very clear insights that you can lead with in terms of how you can um, talk to the customer about that piece. It's a new insight that they would that they would have. That's an example.
1: Yeah, great. Poor lead gen this is the next one. So what can yeah. we do to?
2: So poorly, Jen, what we need to do is we need steady lead flow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so three things you need there. First of all, look at your ideal client. And I'm not talking geographics and demographics. I'm talking psychographics. Yeah. Okay. Unpack your ideal client. Um, uh, and there's four things you want to know. What do they want? Yeah. What do they need? What are their problems or challenges today? And what are their aspirations? Okay, those four things will give you a view of a little bit emotionally. What we want to connect with is emotionally what we want to get inside the head of our ideal clients. Now, you might say, I can't, I can't one client, that's, that's one person. I speak to 15 other people in a business. The reality is, we want to be able to appeal to the person that is going to be most likely to take action, right? Yes. Um, so we use this emotional connection because when we use emotional connection, there's two things we do. Um, the first thing is we create motivation, and we want to create motivation. And emotion drives motivation. Yes. Think about us: I want to go to the gym, I want to get fit, or I want to do something that I've never done before—drive out of a, jump out of a plane, not drive out of a plane, jump out of a plane. Um, so this uh, a motivation and emotion connection, and then. Yes. We really need to create action, yeah. and the action is really motivation drives motive. Yeah. When you've got motivation and motive, you've got um, you can drive that action. And really want we just want them to appeal to us. So understand your ideal client in an emotional in an emotional level. Um, and uh, secondly, uh, what you need to do is you really need to. And um, the second thing you need around steady lead flow is really. You need to think about your core messaging, the way you message to your uh, to your prospects. Um, and my example is that don't talk about the future when you're trying to attract a particular customer. Okay, you you kind of need to stay in stay in your lane, is what I'm saying. So um, when we're trying to attract a customer, we want to talk to their pain and their problem. Yeah. So you need a way to unpack out their pain and their problem. Um, And I'll give uh, the audience a bunch of resources that they can get to to actually uh, help with this um, in the resources that we share. Um, So you want to unpack their pain and their problem, and then you want to show the possibility and the process. Um, uh, And um, really what you want to do is you want to have, I would say, no more than three core messages that you use to attract your audience, okay? Um, And it should fit in a sentence. You should be able to have three core messages that talk to the pain, the problem, the possibility, the future state, and the process of how you actually do it. Yes. Okay. Um, And then what you need to do for steady lead flow is take the time away from you of doing all the work on the phone, because we know cold calling, we don't do cold calling today. Um, But we need a way to get people's details. Now, this might be the, the simplest thing of a landing page on your website that's got gated content. The gated content, is, we call it a lead magnet. It's a piece of valuable information that someone is going to want to know more about. If we've got our messaging right, they'll want to know more. If our messaging is not right, they won't bother giving us the details and downloading it. And then what you've got is you've got um, people who are connecting their need with what you offer. Okay. And you slowly start to see a steady stream of qualified leads coming in. Now, what's the problem here? Someone that's downloaded something, I don't know who they are. They're not a referral. So if I get into my cold lead problem, I don't know whether they're ready to buy their ideal clients. I need a way to educate them. Yes. And so to deal with cold leads, you need warm prospects. Yes. And the warm prospects are more about you not spending time one-on-one with customers until you know that they are a deal for client yes okay um, and a warm prospects is really I would say you need to be speaking to your customer in a nurture sequence six times in the first 12 days now you might say geez there's that's a lot but the, this is the reality the reality is out of every hundred leads that you generate, whether you are generating them through a campaign-based or cold calling or cold outreach, let's call it that way, fifty percent of them will never buy from you. Fifteen percent of them will buy from you likely because they're an ideal client. They like that client that phones you or the referral that comes in, and uh, they go, "I need this, 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 and this." And you go, Whoa, could I have a hundred of those?" Fifteen yes. percent, and thirty-five percent might buy from you in the next ninety days, but they either don't understand their problem, they don't know whether you have the solution, and they don't know whether you're the right one to be able to do that. So we need to educate them. Um, And so talking to them six times uh, with a clear um, uh, lead to raising their hand and going, I want to talk to you about the uh, the offer requires us to package a set of messaging and assets that consistently um, a customer can engage with along their their own qualif- their own qualification journey.
1: Yeah. There you go. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something that you've never done, right? You've listened to Des there. What I want you to do is is mark this to listen to it again. Right. Most most of us listen to a po- podcast once and we think they're great ideas and then we never actually do anything. What I want you to do is go back, listen, and put an action against those three things. <clears throat> Excuse me. So vague offering the poor lead generation, and then cold leads, right? And go and put, based on what Des recommended and what you've know that you, you know, you know your business better than anyone, go and put an action against those and implement it. And then what I want you to do is actually go on LinkedIn, right? And share those actions and that mention Des, right? Because, you know, the, you've got absolute gold there from a man that's worked in Microsoft. So he's been on both sides of the fence. He's helped lots of businesses go and take action against those. And a lot of the things that you mentioned, Des, are the exact same things that that I recommend to do. So very much aligned on that. And look, we could talk for a lot longer, right? I know that we've gone up, to the half an hour mark, and I want everyone to go back. I want you to go back and do those actions. But what we're going to do now is just a deep dive, sorry, a rapid fire, I should say, rather than a deep dive. We've just done a deep dive <laughs> on a couple of questions just to, to round it off. So the first one is, what are some of your daily sales habits that help you accelerate your sales?
2: Uh, daily sales habits is I uh, post uh, one piece of content um, on LinkedIn every day. Um, that is about uh, um, which is really a helpful, a helpful piece of content. Um, uh, I give away a resource once a week. So I give away a resource for people to use, um, uh, because and I, I know people need help. so there's there's free resource uh, re- resource there. Um, I make a um concerted effort every single day to have a look at um, my pipeline. Yeah. Um, so uh, our pipeline um, uh, or our life cycle uh, that comes through, we use, we use HubSpot. So yes. I've got a HubSpot dashboard and I know exactly where, 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 things, where things are. Um, and probably the other habit that I do is um, I get clear on everything in my day on my bicycle at 4.30 in the morning.
1: I'm not recommending that for everybody, <laughs> but uh, I think getting clarity before you start the day is a, is a great, great idea. You just don't have to do it at 4.30. No, and, you don't. Uh, no. Yeah, Des and I have spoken about I was, I was a mad cyclist as well. And to be honest, I still get up at 5.30, but especially in Melbourne in the winter, I don't miss those yeah. minus two mornings when, no. <laughs> with my glasses. I'm fogged up and I can't see. But we've got to keep this rapid. so uh, So that's great. So the next one is around where do you find out more information to, you know, not just update yourself to improve your sales, but also your community?
2: Uh, me personally, uh, I'm a massive uh, blog reader. Um, uh, I I've built a couple of, uh, I built a list of influencers in the industry and I follow them and I read their blogs. So okay. just read, read, read. And I'm a, a massive uh, audible person. So um Uh, love, uh, love
1: audible. Right. So if we could turn the tables and all of us here listening could grant you one wish for your business, what would that wish be?
2: One wish for my business would probably be that um, uh, I could reach the point where I didn't have to charge for, um, uh, for my time. (laughs) Right. I could just give it away for free all the time. Um, I love giving stuff away for free, but at some point you've got to uh, you've got to bring in you've got to bring in the money. So um, yeah, that would be it.
1: Great, and and the last one is like I said, you've had lots and lots of experience. What's something that you know now that you wish you had have done earlier, especially in regards to being say a channel partner?
2: Yeah. Um, I would say uh, first of all would be. Um, market fit. I would, you know, uh, yeah. two things. Um, uh, even even as we establish partner elevate, um, uh, I think spending more time on market fit of our offering in the market um, would have been. Um, uh, I think we're sort of. It took us quite a while to get that, particularly at a global scale. Global scale. Um, so um, maybe the lesson there is. Uh, <laughs> Start sooner, fail faster, kind of uh, uh, piece there. And um, the other piece of advice would be, um, you know, I think we all struggle with that, and that is uh, to really get consistent sales, ge- sales generation. I think um, the focus, uh, the focus there, getting consistency in your in sales and seeing that sales be more consistent, sort of means market fit is right, messaging is right. You've got a problem that you're solving. Um, and that gives you the momentum to to then invest. I totally agree. You know, I think the, you know, progress over
1: perfection. I know that we've all done it where we want the perfect website, we want the perfect copy, we want all of these things. But, you know, I've learned like you just articulated that just just start, have conversations, right? And from those conversations, you improve those website assets and everything. And you also have money to pay, right? Because if you're not a website designer like me, you need someone to to do that for you. But uh, look, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on, Des, as a South African that's now an Australian that lives in Australia. It's great. And you can find out more at partnerelevate.com. Now, I get a lot of Des's downloads. I read them all the time and it's fantastic. So if you download anything, you'll uh, subscribe. And also- he does a similar thing on LinkedIn. So if you go and follow him on LinkedIn, we'll have the URL in the show notes, as we always do. You'll also get the content with some video as well. And uh, Des is someone that practices what he preaches, right? He's always giving value to help people across that. You know, 85, what was the numbers? Um, I've got them here somewhere, Des. Uh, the 50 that Will never buy the fifteen that are likely and the thirty-five that might in the next, you know, twelve days or whatever. So, uh, you know, Des is very good at that. So go and see his material and then take your own approach to that. But uh, Dez, brilliant having you on today, and thanks for sharing all your wisdom and experience. Thanks,
2: Paul. Appreciate it.
1: What a great interview with uh, Des. Really loved it. And as I said, go back, listen to it, and take actions against the three key uh, pain points that he said that channel partners like us have and how to resolve them. And then when you've done that, share some of the things that you've uh, achieved or some of the actions you're going to take before the achievements, share that on LinkedIn at mention. uh, Desi's very, very uh, active on LinkedIn and um, that'd be great. Also, uh, please, um, you know, follow him on LinkedIn, but also subscribe to his newsletter, just get one of his downloads and it's fantastic Uh, Partner evaluate.com is the link. It'll be in the the show notes. Um you'll get all of those at Paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. And you know, let's be fair. There's lots of value here that you shouldn't keep to yourself, right? Why don't you share it? Whether it's one, 10 of your peers, the cloud consultants you know will benefit from this, they'll think you're a rock star and you'll feel pretty good yourself. So please do that. And don't check forget the solo shows where i go specific into how to accelerate your sales as a cloud consultant the free community is the cloud consultants and as always please take action to accelerate your sales
0: i'm fired up after today's episode what about you but hey before you go learning is just one piece of the puzzle now it's time to put today's strategy into action Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is and don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.